all that you've done, all that you're doing. We pray, God, that you would just release eternity in each of us. Lord, not just that we would go to heaven, but that we would begin to live. That we begin to live with a new perspective. Amen. Turn to Romans 8, and we're going to kind of take off um, a little bit where we left off. Romans 8, verse 28. How many of you know this verse already? All things, come on. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God are called according to His purposes. How many of you have ever quoted that verse when you're in trouble? I have. Something's going wrong. You go, what? You know what? This is going to work out. Because all things work together for good that those who love God are called according to His purposes, and that would be me. Have you ever wondered why all things work together for good? Have you ever read the next verse? The next verse says, For whom, listen, all things work together for those who love God and are called called according to His purposes. For... Whom he foreknew, he predestined. And whom he predestined, he called. And whom he called, he justified. Now listen to this. Here's the kicker. Whom he justified, what did he do? He glorified. Do you know why all things work together for good in your life? Are you guys with me? Do you know why all things work together for good in your life? Because whom he foreknew, he predestined. And whom he predestined, he called. And whom he called, he justified. And listen to this. And whom he justified, what did he do? He glorified. But what's the most important part of this verse? All things work together for good for those who love God are called according to his purposes. It's a, then he goes, for. The reason is, for whom he foreknew, he predestined. What does that mean? Do you know that God foreknew you? That he knew what you'd do before you ever did it? Do you understand that when God said, let there be light, Genesis 1, do you realize that God wasn't just creating light? He wasn't just creating a day. In other words, he wasn't just separating the day from night. That God was creating time. When God said, let there be light, and when God separated the light from the, from the day from the night, God wasn't just creating a day. God was creating time. Because God doesn't live in time. See, time is like a big train passing through God's kingdom. And God can get on anywhere in that train. He can get on at the beginning, or He can get on at the caboose. See, that's why in Jeremiah 1, He says says to Jeremiah, Before you were conceived, I knew you. And before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you. How does God call people before they were conceived? All kinds of weird doctrines come out of that, like we were with God in the Spirit before. No, no. God doesn't live in time. So God says, Jeremiah, before you were conceived, I knew you. How does God know me before I'm I'm conceived? Because God goes to the end of time and He goes, Well, there's Jeremiah, there's Chris, there's John, there's Mary. God is not... See, God can get on the time, the, he, God can get on the time train any time He wants. 
It's the reason why I only believe in Christian counseling. Because I believe that non-Christian counselors can tell you what's wrong with you. But only a Christian counselor has the ability to go back into time and make it like it never happened. Are you with me? See, some of you think that Jesus died about 2,000 years ago. But the book of Revelation says the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Do you realize that Jesus was crucified before He ever made the world? I don't know if you're getting this. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. Some of you think, I received Jesus a year ago. I received Jesus, some people, somebody came up and said, I received Jesus six months ago. I received Jesus a year ago. I received Jesus 10 years ago, 30 years ago. Some of you think you received Jesus 10 years ago. Ephesians 1 said you were chosen in Him before the what? Foundation of the world. Listen, do you realize that before you were born, you were already chosen by God? You mean God made me serve Him? No. It says, whom He foreknew, He predestined. What does that mean? See, God knew that you would choose Him before you ever chose Him. How did He know that? He went to the end of time. He saw that you choose Him. Then He said, I choose you before you choose me. <laughs> did you get that? God, God goes, okay, let's go to the year 2006. Oh yeah, I see Johnny. He's going to choose me. Okay, before the foundation of the world, I choose Johnny. Did God make you serve him? No, he knew you would. Why? Because he doesn't live in time. That's why Peter said that a thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. Peter wasn't saying one day. Look, I like the third day teaching. Don't misunderstand me. But it isn't what Peter was saying. Peter wasn't saying, well, one day is a thousand years. It's like the clock just you know, moves really fast. No, Peter was saying that God does not live inside of time. God doesn't think inside of time. Are you getting this? Now, <laughs> let's get deeper. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross. Everybody agree? Good. We're all Christians. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says that he went, he was dead how many days? Three days. And he went into Sheol. Now, Sheol is not hell. Sheol is, the, the name Sheol means the place of the living dead. And Sheol has two compartments. One side of Sheol has Hades. Hades is not hell. Hades was the holding place for everybody who would eventually go to hell. And the other side was called what? Abraham's bosom. Man, how would you like to be so righteous that they name the holding place for heaven after your bosom? That has a bad visual one too. But anyway, the point is... <laughs> The, po <laughs> the point is this, that there was two plate, there was two chasm, there was, there in, inside of Sheol, there was Hades and there was Abraham's bosom. In Abraham's bosom, all the righteous, right, were waiting for redemption because the, the blood of Christ had not yet been, got me? So what happened? So Jesus dies on the cross and the Bible says he goes into where? Sheol. He takes captive those who were captive, right? And he ascends, he ascends to the Father with him. Everyone agree? 
And you know, you know, the plan gets a little messed up. I don't know if you kind of realize this, but Jesus is supposed to take captives, captives. The Old Testament said that, 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 that the Savior would come in, He would take captives, captives, and He would ascend. It's Ephesians 4 is a part of it. On the way up, there's a little problem, and that is Mary's is at the tomb. You remember this? Mary Magdalene's at the tomb. And she says to the person that she thinks is the gardener, hey, I don't know where you laid my Lord, but if you tell me, I'll take him. And he says, Mary, and what does she, what does she do? She tries to grab him. What does he say to her? Don't touch me because I have yet to ascend to what? My father and your father. Now, how many of you know that just a few days later, he arrives and Thomas said, I will not believe it. I will not believe he rose from the dead unless I put my finger... And then Jesus says, touch me. But he says to Mary, don't touch me. Why? Because he has yet to ascend. Right? And we know that after he ascended, he wandered around for... So what happened? So he's ascending with all the saints and all of a sudden Mary's there. So he's like, guys, I'll be there in a minute. And what does it say? Many of the saints wandered the earth while Jesus talked to Mary. How'd you like to be like Moses? Like, there used to be a 7-Eleven right here. <laughs> that would be weird. Like dead people who have been dead for like, you know, a thousand years, like wandering the earth, like, cool. What is that? <laughs> but the Bible says that Jesus went in to Sheol. He took all those who were captive captives and he gave gifts to men. He ascended and he gave gifts to men. You know what's amazing? That when Jesus died on the cross, he died on earth, right? He died on earth. And so he died in a time zone. But he went from a time zone to where? To Sheol. Do you understand that in the spirit world there is no time? So he goes from a time zone to a timeless zone. Follow me for a minute. He's three, days de- he's three earth days gone. But he goes from a time zone to where? Into Sheol. Sheol is a timeless zone. There is no time. That's why there's no day or night in heaven. Because there's no time in heaven. You got that? That's why things in heaven are measured by epics and not by a clock. Did you notice that it will say times, times, and a half time? Because it's measured by the works of God and not by a calendar. Well, that's another thought. Here's my point. Do you realize that when Jesus went into Sheol and he took all the captive, all the people captive, that when he went from a time zone to a timeless zone, that when he went into Sheol, you were there? And do you realize that when he rose from the dead, you rose with him? And do you realize that that's why you're seated already in heavenly places? You go, no, I'm seated right here. I'm, I'm in Webb, Alabama. That's your perspective. But God says you're in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You go, when did that happen? Far before you received Christ. Because he took you up before you ever received him. You go, how did that happen? Whom he foreknew, he predestined. Do you realize that you were written in the book of life and the only way to get out of it is to screw up because he wrote you in there before you were born and the only way to get out of it is to be blotted out 
that he created all, everyone to be, to, to, he wanted everyone to be saved, so he wrote everyone in the book. Read the book of Revelations. He has to blot your name out. Why? Because he never intended you to not be saved. Now, let's finish Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called to His purposes. The next verse tells you why. For, the reason is, for whom He foreknew, He predestined. And whom He predestined, He called. And whom He called, He justified. And whom He justified, He glorified. But when did He glorify you? From the foundation of the world. How can you not rock when God went to the end of time and He said, Johnny is going to choose me. I will go to the end of time and I will work everything out of his life so that I will glorify him. So you live it in time and you go, oh, I hope this all works out good. It has to work out good because God already predetermined it. He went into your future and he goes, you're amazing. Listen, your future is pulling you into glory. Glory isn't a place, it's a condition in God. Did you get that? So you're like, I'm having a bad day. Don't worry, it's going to work out for good. How do you know that? God already went in the future and prearranged it. That's a good word right there. And from heaven towards earth. Do you realize that you're seated? Listen, this ain't a theory. It's not a philosophy or a theology, it's a reality. Revelation chapter 4, John. Jesus says to John, come up here. How many of you know that you've been invited to live from the timeless zone? Are you guys all right? You go, well, what difference does that make? Well, listen, when you're living from earth towards heaven, when you're living from earth towards heaven, your prayers are all reactionary. The, the circumstances of life are controlling your prayers. And what's your prayer life look like? Oh, Lord, please don't let that happen. Lord, please fix that. And please fix that Iraqi war. My son's got a problem. And I pray that you'd fix that. What happens when you step up into the third heaven and you start praying from heaven towards earth? Suddenly, instead of your circumstances dictating your prayer, your prayer begins to dictate your circumstances because you start living from eternity. And you start praying, instead of just praying to God, you start praying with God. Did you get that? In other words, instead of us running around in defense, we're, 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 playing, we're, we're playing defense on the earth, and we're like, ah, the devil's doing that. Pretty soon we start telling the devil what we're doing. And he, you know, you get all this? What happens if we... See, we're going through this metamorphosis. I believe that we're going through a, the, the second greatest epic season in human history. The first greatest was the cross. But we're going the second greatest epic season in human history. And what's happening to us? We're going through this metamorphosis where we're going from a caterpillar who is, who is conscious of what's happening on earth to a butterfly who's conscious of what's happening from the heaven. How many know... That if your memories are greater than your dreams, you're already dying. I don't know if I'm... Gonna, it's not going to get any better than this, so... 
would it be like if you actually started living from heaven towards earth? And instead of your circumstances controlling your thought life, that your thought life controlled your circumstances. And you started to dream the dreams of God. What would happen if you added your positional authority, your seat in heaven? What would happen if you added your your if you actually seated yourself in heavenly places because you were invited there already? What would happen if you sat in heavenly places and you took on the mind of Christ, so you had the wisdom of the ages, and you took on the you took on the gifts of the Spirit with the gift of prophecy? And the gift of wisdom. Follow me. What if you lived supernaturally, multidimensionally? Like, the seat you were sitting in was timeless. You had the gift of prophecy so you could see into the timeless future through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you had the mind of Christ, which is called the wisdom of another age. (laughs) Listen, if you can't get excited about that, you need to get saved. (laughs) You're sitting in the timeless zone. You have the mind of Christ, which is the wisdom from the age that hasn't yet come. Think about what he's saying there. What would happen if you lived in the year 50 B.C. and you would have had an idea that was of a product, let's, let's just say a weapon. Let's say that, that in 50 B.C., you had an idea for a F-15 fighter plane. You would have wisdom from another age. What would happen if you could build that fighter plane in 50 B.C.? You would rule the world. Why? Are you doing something that man's never done? No. You're doing something that man's never done yet. What would happen if you could be 2,000 years ahead of technology? You would have wisdom that's for another age. What benefits would there be if you actually could go to 2,000 years from now Pull into the year 4040 something that's created and bring it into the year 2007. You think you might have a little bit of benefit? Okay, now I'm going to get really crazy. That's available to you because the wisdom you have is called the wisdom of another age. What would happen if you started dreaming beyond what you can ask or what? Think. What would happen if you started to have stuff happen in your life that you didn't even know to ask and you couldn't have thought of because it's 2,000 years ahead of you and you wouldn't even know what's in that age? I don't hear what she said, but... Amen. Amen.
according to the power that works within us. That's right. There we go. We're preaching together. We're partnering right here. (laughs) Do you realize that's available to you? I go, well, if that's true, then how come no one's ever done it? Because never, no one ever knew to do it. You can't apprehend what you don't know there is to get. Revelation pulls back the covers of the ages and shows you things that, you, that, are, that are reserved for you, but no one's ever got. Okay. That was a good word, though. <laughs> Turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. guys still with me? Listen to this. Verse 9. I kept looking until the thrones were set up. The Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. I like that. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming from before him, and thousands upon thousands were attending him, myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat for judgment, and the books were open. When I kept, then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. His body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. Woo-hoo. Verse 12. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them. Now I want you to notice, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them. What does that mean? It means they are alive, but they have no dominion. <laughs> That's a good word. It was granted to them for an appointed period of time. Now look, look at verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. Everybody say, Son of Man. And he came to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him. Now listen to this. To him was given dominion. Everybody say dominion. dominion. Glory, Glory. And a kingdom. Amen. That all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay. As for me, Daniel, verse 15, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached the one who was standing by, and I began to ask him what the exact meaning of all this was. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now, here's the point um, that that Daniel's making. He said, listen, I had all these visions, and the vision actually starts from verse 1. He said, I had these visions. I didn't know what they meant. I turned to this guy who was standing next to me. turns out to be an angel. I believe it's a spirit of revelation. (laughs) That's just a thought, but I believe that a spirit of revelation is angels. So Daniel turns to this guy, that's just Chris's belief, by the way, disclaimer, 
Uh, he turns to this guy, he says, I don't know what this means, and this angel begins to explain to him the vision. Okay, now the angel's explaining the vision. Verse 17, the great beasts, which we didn't read about, are four in number, are four kings who will rise from the earth. But listen to this, verse 18. But the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Now, I want you to notice something. In the vision, it says, the Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days, and to him was given what? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. The angel, Daniel, goes, I don't know what that means. And the angel said, the Son of Man that was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom? Yeah, that's the saints of the highest one. Are you with me? Okay, now, people have read these verses for years. The question becomes, when? When do the saints of the highest one receive dominion, glory, and a kingdom? That would be really important. Because if you listen to most theologians... You can tell anything that is good belongs in the millennium. Anything that's bad, that's for you. Only two mentions of the millennium in the Bible. But if you read, most commentaries will tell you that anything that says in the last days and it's good, that's for the millennium. Anything for the last days that's bad, that's for you. Let me give you an example. Isaiah chapter 2. Anybody knows what that, know what that says? Isaiah chapter 2 says, In the last days. Everybody say, in the last days. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be raised as chief of the mountains, and people will stream to it. They'll come and they'll say, Let's go to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the, to the, uh, the house of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. They will beat their, their spears into plowshares and their swords into pruning hooks. Then God will judge from Jacob. He will judge, the na- judge between the nations. And he will render decisions between many nations. And get this. And they will never again train for war. When is that supposed to happen? In the last days. If you read your commentary, it will say, this is the millennium. Where did they get that idea? They made it up. You go, well, that can't be possible. Oh, it is. Because, listen, if that's supposed to happen in your day, you would have to take responsibility for it. You go, well, if that stuff's all true, why is it not happening now? Because you don't believe it's supposed to, and everything in the kingdom happens by faith. How many know that what you believe about the end has everything to do with how you behave in the middle? Let's say that Larry, let Larry, Pastor Larry, has a restoration shop, a car restoration shop. And I have a 55 Chevy. And I am a multi-quadrillionaire. And I bring my 55 Chevy in a box to Larry. And I say to Larry, I want this to be, brand, like, I want to be cherry. I want this thing to be like brand new. And so he starts, he gets his team, and he starts doing the restoration work on my 55 Chevy. And then he finds out that when he finishes my 55 Chevy, I'm going to put it in the destruction derby. How many know that that's going to affect the quality of his work? Because what you believe about the end has everything to do with how you behave in the middle. I never heard a preacher take a building offering and preach on the seven years of tribulation in the same service. 
Jack Taylor says this, it's hard to give people, it's hard to believe that the, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and give people heaven by the half acre. Jesus, do you think that Jesus said, I want you to pray this way. Father, hallowed be our name, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think the Lord was saying, I want you to pray this, but don't believe it. Do you think that Jesus was telling you that it would be on earth as it is in heaven? He wants you to pray and believe, that, or do you think that he just wants you to pray it? What did he say? When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? How many know it doesn't take any faith to believe that things are getting worse? <laughs> oh boy. I can feel the tension in the air. Let's go on. Verse 17, verse 18. But the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom, possess the kingdom forever and ever in all ages to come. Okay, we want to know when. Let's go on. Verse 19 talks about the four beasts. Verse 20, the ten horns. Verse 21. I kept looking, and the horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Everybody say, boo. Until, verse 22, until. Okay, now this is very important because this is an epic shift in the power, this is an epic power shift in the spirit realm. Because he said, the devil was overpowering the saints until, until, when? Until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one and the time arrived when what? The saints what? Took possession of the kingdom. I have a question for you. If the devil is overpowering the saints until the saints take possession of the kingdom, it would be kind of important that we understand the until. When is the dividing line? Okay, two things happen. The Ancient of Days took his seat. Judgment was passed what? In the favor of what? Of the saints. And the time arrived to what? Saints take possession of the kingdom. Right, let's go on and read because I want, I want to show you something else. But let, let's just finish this. Verse 23, as for the fourth beast, it talks about the beast. Verse 24, the ten horns. Verse 25, then he, speaking of the devil, will speak out against the Most High. He'll wear down the saints of the highest one. He'll intend to make alterations in times and in the law. They will be given into his hand for times, times, and a half time. But the court will sit for judgment. His dominion will be taken away and annihilated forever. Remember, we talked about the fact that it, just a few minutes ago that there was the beast, the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but extension of life was granted to them for a appointed period of time. Here, he doesn't say that he destroys the devil. It says he took away his dominion. I want you to notice that. It says, but then the court sat for judgment. His dominion was taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. What's the next verse? Then the sovereignty. Everybody say sovereignty. The dominion. The, say the dominion. dominion. And the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. Did you get that? His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will what? Serve and obey Him. Okay. This is a very important point here. 
When is that supposed to happen? When do the saints receive dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and all the kingdoms under the whole heaven serve them? When? Well, it tells you. It says that the, saint, the devil overpowered the saints until the Ancient of Days took his seat, judgment was passed in favor of the saints, and the time arrived when what? The saints took possession of the kingdom. You got me? When did the saints take possession of the kingdom? First of all, I want to propose to you that, this, that the Ancient of Days took his seat and judgment was passed in favor of the saints when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, according to, according to Colossians, decrees that were, that were against us were canceled. And, uh, and, I, and uh, someone told me, I, um, a, uh, a theologian, actually a Greek scholar told me, that the word decrees there is actually only used in a court case. That decrees that were against us were canceled. When Jesus died on the cross, ancient days took his seat and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. Now, I want to tell you something. When did the saints receive the kingdom? Well, Jesus never preached salvation. He never preached salvation. He preached the kingdom. He preached salvation as the entrance into the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom unless you're what? Born again. Jesus went... Listen, let me give you a few scriptures just so that you know I'm telling you the truth. In Matthew 16, 28, uh, Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, there are some here who are standing here, who will not taste death till they see the, man, see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Matthew twenty four fourteen. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to the nations. Mark 6, uh, 12, 34. When Jesus saw He had answered intelligently, He said to him, You're not far from the kingdom of God. Luke four forty three. He said to him, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. And He goes on to say in, in Luke ten nine, Heal the sick, he told his disciples, heal those who are sick and say to them, the kingdoms come near you. In Luke 10, uh, 12, 31, we're called to seek first the what? Kingdom. Luke 12, 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the what? Kingdom. And it goes on and on and on. 212 times they preach the what? Kingdom. Why? Because Colossians says that when we received Jesus, we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into what? The kingdom of the beloved son. How many know that the kingdom, you, when you received Jesus, you didn't just get saved, you came into the what? Kingdom. Here's my point. When did the glory, the dominion, and the sovereignty of all the kingdoms under the whole earth be given to the saints? When did that happen? At the cross. Well, that's not what my commentary said. Well, it's wrong. What's the point? You were born to rule the world. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven, which would not have been revelation to the Jewish people he was talking to. But when he said on earth, they would have been shocked. Right? Because they grew up in a world that for thousands of years was ruled by the devil. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he said to the boys, I got the keys, baby. These are the keys to the kingdom. Listen, you've got to get this. He said, therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and on earth, because I have all authority, I want you to make disciples of what? He didn't say people. That's a given. He said, make disciples of all nations. 
teaching them all that I commanded you. What does Isaiah 2 say? In the last days they shall come to the mountain of the house of the Lord. What will they do? What will they do to, at the mountain of the house of the Lord? They will teach them their ways. They will walk in His path. What's the result? Never again will they train for war. You say, well, there's supposed to be wars and rumors of war. All right, we already had that, didn't we? Fulfilled. Nation will rise up against nation. Fulfilled. You're saying that there could be a time when the church actually disciples nations and the result is peace? Yep. Well, how do you know that's true? It's in the Bible. Well, I see it there, but it's for the millennium. Prove it. Prove it to me. Throw your commentary away and prove it by the Bible. What's the point? The only reason you're not ruling is because you didn't know you're supposed to. The devil knew he couldn't stop you, so he delayed you. I'll tell you one thing, we're going to have one darn good millennium. Are you with me? I know some of you are offended, but you have a right to my opinion. Listen, I I don't... You say, well, you don't believe in millennium. No, I don't. It says there's a millennium. You don't believe in a rapture. It says there is. When is all that going to happen? Don't know. All I know that what's supposed to happen on my shift? What's supposed to happen on my shift? See, I know that I'm supposed to pray, believe, and receive. And what I was told to pray is this. Father, I pray, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know what's going to happen next year or 10,000 years from now. I just know what I'm responsible for on my shift. And on my shift, I'm responsible to bring heaven to earth. Not only that, but I live from heaven towards earth, so I have authority to bring heaven to earth. Well, I don't believe that. I know. That's why you're being dominated by someone who's been defeated. You're saying the devil has no power? No, I'm saying he has no authority. He's been deauthorized. Well, if he doesn't have authority, who does? You. Well, if God is love, then why does he let people starve on the earth? The question isn't why he does. The question is why do you do? It says the heavens, the highest heaven belong to the Lord, but the earth belongs to the sons of men. Well, if God is love, then why are people sick? I don't know. He said heal the sick. Cast out demons. Freely you received. Freely you give. Well, you're trying to make it my responsibility. No, he did. Why are you praying for God to do something he told you to do? Is the question. Man, the devil's after me. I don't know how he'd be that stupid. You have the gun. He has the squirt gun. You are running from him.
Man, you're trying to make the devil little. No, I don't have to try. He already is. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. That means someone has none. Listen, this is pretty complicated. If I have all the chocolate pie, that means no one in the house is eating chocolate pie but me. Okay, this is, this is, I know. Chris, Bill at home. This is deep. As it gets. Are you with me? Why do you think you're supposed to walk in signs and wonders and miracles? Because you're supposed to be in charge. Now, can I just show you one more thing? Okay. Let's look at Daniel 7 one more time. Look at this. It says that in verse 25, he'll speak out, speaking of the devil, against the Most High. He'll wear down the saints of the highest one. He'll intend to make alterations in times and in the law. And they'll be given to him into his hand for times, times, and a half time. But the court will sit for judgment. His dominion will be taken away, annihilated, destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms, everybody say all the kingdoms, under the whole heaven, will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. Okay, you know, one day I was reading that, and there's two things that stood out to me. First of all, it says that the devil ruled for times, times, and a half time. And I asked the Lord why, there wasn't, why it wasn't years. Like, why wasn't it 40 years or 70 years or, you know, like, whatever, seven years? Or I asked the Lord, why isn't it measured? In, and the Lord said, because this, these times are not measured in, in a calendar, but they're measured but in epic seasons. And the Lord said, ask me what an epic season is. I said, what is an epic season is? And he said, an epic season is a, is a way that I deal with a certain people in a certain time. Follow me. Let me give you an example. Let's say it's times, times, and a half time. Did you get that? Okay, let's, say, let's call the... And I know this isn't what Daniel's talking about. I'm using it as an example. The agricultural age would be like an epic season. Think about it like this. Like it says that, that, the, that the devil ruled for times, times, and a half time, and he intended to make alterations in the, time, to, in the law and in the times. And it was given to him for times, times, and a half time. That would be like this. That would be like in the agricultural age, God had intentions in the agricultural age to show himself to have a certain outcome in this epic season of the agricultural age in which God would be, the agricultural age would glorify God. Are you with me? But the devil came in and he changed the times and he changed the law so that he robs the epic, the, the, the epic purposes for the agricultural age. He steals the epic purposes and uses them for his own stuff. Are you with me? Then the industrial age comes along. And God has a purpose. He has an epic purpose. Something that God's doing with the people in a certain time. In other words, an epic season is, is, an epic season is something that God does with a certain people in a certain time. Are you with me? So, God, so we have the industrial age, and God has a purpose for the industrial age in, in which He wants to see the industrial age ultimately glorify Him. But the devil comes in and steals the epic purposes of the industrial age and he uses, him for his, he uses the industrial age for his own purposes by changing the law, which the word there is instruction. He in, changes the instruction so that people, so the agriculture, I'm sorry, so the industrial age is service, 
serves the purposes of the devil instead of God. Are you with me? And then we come in to the information age, the third time. And the devil begins to change the instructions so that he steals the epic season that God has for the information age. And halfway through the information age, I'm using this as an example, halfway through the, in, the information age, halfway through the epic times, the, the Lord steps in and he goes, that's enough! And he, and he takes away authority from the devil and he gives it to the church and he says, now complete my purposes for this, for this information age. And he hands the times... You, are you with me? He hands, he hands the epic times to the church and he goes, fulfill my purposes in this last times. Are you with me? And I want you to notice that he says that then, after that, during that time, that, that all the kingdoms under the whole heaven are given to the people of the saints of the highest one. One day I was asking the Lord, why does it say all the kingdoms under the whole heaven? What does that mean? Why don't you just say, all the kingdoms on the earth? And I began to realize, what was the first commission of man? Genesis 1. God created man. What was his first commission? Rule the what? Birds? Rule the what? Fish? Rule the what? Animals? And rule the what? Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, God said, I want you to rule the animal kingdom. I want you to rule the biological kingdom. I want you to rule the bird kingdom, and I want you to rule the creeping things that creep on the earth. I began to ask the Lord, what is the creeping things that creep on the earth? And the Lord said, the biological kingdom. And then I realized something. When Jesus died on the cross, what was it that set us free? Life is in the what? Blood. Blood is what? The biological kingdom. When you got saved, you got saved from the smallest molecule of creation the biological kingdom. Are you with me? I, start, I had this thought. This is just a thought. I don't know if it's, if it's right. But the Lord said that He's going to give us authority over every kingdom under the whole earth. And in the first commission of man, that included the birds. I don't know like how you rule fish. Like, fish, come. Jump in boat. You know. You know what I mean? How you rule the birds? Do not poop on the car. Do not. Fly away. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I don't know, you know. How do you rule birds? I don't know. But it's in the Bible. I had this thought the other day. You remember in New Orleans when the police couldn't get into the city for three days? What happened? Looting, rapes, murders. Why? Whenever true authority is removed from an environment, what happens? False authority starts to rise up. Remember Paul, at, when he's in Miletus, he's talking to the, uh, the leaders from Ephesus, and he says, I'm about to leave, and savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, even among yourselves, will men rise up and draw men after them. What happens when you take true authority from any kind of a culture? False authority begins to rise up. I had this thought. It's just a thought. What if God created us to rule all the kingdoms under the whole earth, and one of the kingdoms that we were supposed to be ruling was the biological kingdom, but we didn't know it, so we were absent from New Orleans? And what if sickness is, a, is partly a result of a kingdom unruled? 
so that false authority is ruling a kingdom that we're supposed to be ruling? I don't know. It's just a thought. What if the next epic season, the Lord begins to teach us, instead of just about healing, He begins to teach us about divine health, which is a kingdom, the biological kingdom under the rule and authority of the King of Kings. I don't know if I'm making sense, but and I'm not saying that that's what it's saying. I'm simply saying, what if? What if when we're taking communion that we're receiving authority in a new covenant over all the kingdoms under the whole earth, which includes the biological kingdom? What if we're supposed to rule from the smallest to the largest? It's just a thought. But what if the Lord begins to give us revelation on how to actually rule the biological kingdom? And how many of you know that Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, There shall be no end to the increase of his government, or of what? Peace. What is the result of the king, the kingdom of God ruling? Peace. What is the result of religious religion ruling? War. Religion starts war, but the kingdom brings peace. People are like, Religion causes wars. I don't believe in religion. I don't either. Religion causes wars, but the kingdom brings peace. What if you were supposed to rule in a way that empowers the destiny of nations? In other words, Jesus said, the Gentiles rule over you in a way that they're called benefactors. It means everything in the environment benefits one factor, them. But you're not called to rule like that. Let the greatest among you be what? The servant of all. How does the kingdom rule? It rules in a way that benefits everyone in the kingdom. How does the Gentiles rule? In a way that benefits them. How do we rule? We rule in a way that we benefit everyone in the kingdom so that the kingdom draws out the very destiny that is intrinsic in everything that God created. Wouldn't it be amazing if we actually believed it? Okay, you guys done or you look at that shock look on my on your face? I'm almost done. Let's uh one minute. But remember that if the day is a thousand years and we're living in heavenly places, then this could be an eternal gospel. Turn to Romans 8, and I want to read this to you just one last time. Romans 8, and we'll finish with this. I read this to you the other night, but I want to read to you after Daniel 7. Verse 18, Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Everybody say glory. glory. That's to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of what? The sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility. Do you know what that means? That word means vanity. It's the word that Solomon used when he in Ecclesiastes. Vanity means that life has no purpose. Are you with me? So creation had a purpose. What was its purpose? Glorify God. But what happened when man fell? Creation fell with him. And what happened to the purposes of God? They became vain. You got me? Yes? Okay. 
For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that this creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of what? The glo- what? Come on. The glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves, having been the firstfruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our what? Bodies. What's the point? The point is this. Creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. What's going to happen when the sons of God get revealed? Creation is going to be released from slavery to corruption into freedom of the what? Glorious sons of God. And what's it doing? It's trying to give birth. (laughs) I thought the other day, earthquakes are birth pains. And what is the earth trying to give birth to? The glorious sons of God. Romans 8. All things work together for good for those who love God according to His purposes. Why? For whom He foreknew, He predestined. And whom He predestined, He called. And whom He called, He justified. And whom He justified, He what? Glorified. And do you realize that all the creation is waiting for you to get the last line? Because as soon as you do, so do they. Do you know that we have been programmed to want... No, we have been programmed to expect things to get worse and worse and worse? But we have a kingdom that's unshakable. That's a growing kingdom. It's just a thought. What I'm trying to say to you is this. God's given you authority over your environment. If you feel powerless, you've been lied to. If you feel powerless, you've been lied to. Because he said, all authority. I'll put everything under your feet. If you're walking around afraid, you're listening to the wrong spirit. Fear is a manifestation that you have faith in the wrong God. Fear is faith. You can always tell how much faith you have by how afraid you are. Because fear means that you have faith, but it's in the wrong kingdom. What is the manifestation that you have faith in the right kingdom? You have love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, righteousness, and self-control. How many of you know that everybody in the kingdom has faith? It's just what kingdom you put it in determines the outcome. Tonight, I just have an idea. What would happen if you started walking in the call of Daniel 7? If the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole earth 
if you actually believe they are already given to the saints of the highest one. Because the time arrived for the saints to take possession of the kingdom. You think it might change your life? Maybe. Just a thought. Why don't you stand?